minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host Andrew Mertig. What's going on, Andrew? It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, it's definitely great to be back with just us two. For sure. Just, just us. Nobody else. Nobody else is here. We, <laughs> we always try to do this like cool like surprise or reveal like when, when we had Aaron Nagler on the show. And then I've come to the realization that like anybody who would be downloading the podcast would also be reading the description. So you uh, <laughs> close it anyway. Yeah, really, it really ruins all of our surprises. But anyways, last year, Kyle and myself were honored to be joined by Maggie Loney for draft season. season. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And she's back. And yes, Maggie, Maggie adds a dimension to our show that doesn't exist without her. But really, we are here to help her get away from all of the other mediocre co-hosts she has to deal with. And yes, I am declaring war against Perry. <laughs> I thought Enemy you were going to declare one. war against Jacob and Jimmy, which I was fine with. But I can't be okay with you declaring war against Perry. So we're going to have to yeah, talk no, about Jacob that. Jacob and I show. are friends, in, at least until the end of draft season. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's a joke here somewhere about you guys not being able to get rid of me that easy, but you did for an entire calendar year. So, I mean, I guess it was really easy to get rid of me, but now I'm back and now we get to talk draft prospects. So that's fun. Yeah, we are super psyched to have Maggie back for the entire month of April, all jokes aside. Uh, it's going to be a really fun month. Uh, if you don't normally tune in every Friday for Andrew and I's mediocre off-season content, now is a great time to prioritize us on your Fridays because Maggie is back. It's going to be a ton of fun, but the month leading up to the draft is always totally nuts. Uh, we're trying to get to know several hundred prospects. We're all getting the hang of uh, all these numbers that are coming out sporadically now with all the pro days. Uh, we're all overreacting to those RAS scores as well. So it's all crazy. And so the Pack and A podcast is committed to helping our Packer fan listeners get a flyover of all of these prospects before the draft. And so yesterday, Jacob, Rob, and Eli got us started with a look at uh, Trayvon Merig and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. And so today, we're going to introduce you to a few more edge rusher prospects that should all be taken in the first 50 picks or so. Uh, Michigan's Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips of Miami, Aziz Ojalari from Georgia, and Penn State's Jason Owe. So we're going to get started here at the top with the Michigan prospect, Quiddy Pay. There's so many fun names in this year's draft class. <laughs> and, you know, I was reflecting as you were you were going through that, Jeremiah Woso-Koromoa. Uh, certainly the guy we're going to lead off with, Quiddy Pei, um, who I've heard his name pronounced as K-Witty, uh, which, which is very, very interesting. Um, but uh, anyways, moving on. So we're, we're talking about the Michigan edge rusher. Uh, for me, the notes I have on him, he's big. He, he's listed at 277 pounds. He's physically, he's athletically gifted. As an edge rusher, he's going to use his quickness and bend to win off the edge, but he also possesses plenty of strength to bull rush. He's he's going to be good against the run right away because he puts forth his effort. I had a note about his length, but I think Kyle's going to give us a little bit of an update on that based on the pro day. Uh, but he's still figuring out a pass rush plan, and he can continue to develop his counters, but there is a heck of a lot of physical tools to work with. 
to me, I've mentioned this before, I think there's some similarities to Rashawn Gary, if not physically. Like, he may not be that physical freak that Gary is. He's pretty close. But he, he could have a similar career trajectory to Gary, where maybe he's a situational pass rusher to start with, and then he's really, like, they, they take the reins off in year two and three and becomes a huge impact kind of guy. Yeah, Pay is super interesting because he's not super long. I think he was listed as a little bit longer of a player, but he measured in at six foot two and a half at the Michigan Pro Day. So uh, super powerful, though. And as Andrew mentioned, that bull rush is special, and his effort and his motor is top notch. Michigan used him in so many different uh, kind of weird alignments, and so I think he'll be better suited in the NFL when he's given one specific role that he can understand and just kind of run with that. He's uh, probably kind of stuck as a defensive end in a four. Or three, I would kind of imagine, but uh, someone's going to take him in the top 20, I think, and pay. All, he has a really cool story along with being a great prospect. His mom came to America after Quiddy was born in a refugee camp after escaping the violence in Liberia. So uh, he's just got an incredible life story to pair with all the talent in the world and someone who is really, really easy to pull for as a prospect. But Andrew, our next prospect is someone uh, who had themselves a nice day earlier this week and made themselves some money, I think, too, at that Miami Pro Day. That's Jalen Phillips. Yeah, there have been a lot of eyebrow-raising pro days and a lot of <laughs> individual drill numbers that uh, have really stood out, but maybe none more so than Jalen Phillips, who actually started his, he played his first two seasons at UCLA and then transferred to the U, uh, dealt with injuries in those final two seasons um, at, at UCLA. He, he's a big guy. He's Listed at 6'5", 260, but great explosiveness, great bend. He's long. He has the functional strength to press offensive linemen, which shows up in his success against the run. His hand counters need a lot of work as he's far too reliant on quickness and power. But again, you're talking about a, a guy who is in that like top 1% of, of having physical tools. And so those guys tend to just rely on the things that work. So being fast, being quicker, being stronger than your opponent definitely does. I think, I don't know if I'm... I, I may have to fact check myself on this, but I think Jalen Phillips was the number one recruit coming out of high school when he ended up at UCLA. Wow. Yeah, I think a lot of people really liked Jalen Phillips already, but then that athletic testing added in combined with the fact that this is just an edge rushing class that not a lot of people are super excited about. And so I think that's just going to vault him up the board because of the shortage at the position. Uh, He did post a nine point something RAS uh, to boot. So he's got a pretty extensive injury history that you also have to consider, and that is a little bit concerning. Uh, but he's going to go, I think, earlier than a lot of people probably expected at least a month ago. And we're talking about maybe, you know, that second round or something like that. But uh, he's not the only super athlete in this edge class, though. Yeah, uh, Jason Away from from Penn State, I, I would describe as a freak. Like, you know, he needs the extra consonant in, in athletic freak. Uh, he's, he's listed at 6'5", 257, just incredible, incredible explosiveness. When he bends, I've said this probably four times already this draft season, but it looks like he's parallel to the ground. Like, he he's so bendy. He, he's got really nice length. He can use that to expand his tackle radius and strip ball carriers. He doesn't appear strong enough to press tackles. So, you know, he's going to be limited in to like the quote unquote beat the blocker in front of you guy um, against the run early in his career. You probably don't want him on the field a lot in first and second down situations, but his rush moves can, can use some significant upgrades. But I talked about this with Phillips, like these guys just tend to do the things that work and they develop pass rush moves when they're 
needed. And, and usually that doesn't happen until they're at the NFL level level. Uh, you know, I would definitely consider him a unicorn. He's going to need some time to develop, but the good news is he's super young. He's a redshirt sophomore, uh, but he could be looked at, you know, maybe as the best pass rusher rusher in the class in a couple of years. And, and one thing that, that just like, dawned on me i first heard of jason away listening listening to the draft dudes this past summer so there were some whispers that there was this edge rusher from penn state and you know people knew him sort of but he was kind of a rotational player in his red shirt freshman season and they were like yeah penn state is saying he's running in the four threes and the joke kind of was, okay, well, they're clearly exaggerating that. He's probably like a 4-5 guy, but man, wouldn't that be impressive? Right. <laughs> Even if he is a 4-5 guy at 257. And then sure enough, Jason Wade uh, puts a pretty good year on tape and then goes out and runs a 4.36 40-yard dash. Yeah, I love Jason Away. He absolutely, to me, fits the mold of that kind of Brian Gutekunst pick, who's got just incredible testing numbers, freaky athleticism. I think his RAS ended up being like a 9.92 or something. He had positional bests at, like you said, the 40 and the broad jump. And I honestly think one of the things I like so much about him is that he still kind of needs some time to develop, which makes him a good fit for a team like the Packers, where he doesn't have to be the guy right away. He's coming in behind some really established vets, and that those are the players that can kind of teach him how to grow his repertoire. You know, you get him on some design stunts, get him under the tutelage of a coach like Mike Smith. And then in a couple of years, if you don't know what you have in Preston Smith, or you're moving on from a player like that, that's when you can really kind of let him shine. That 40 time is absolutely insane. And I think Maggie's on to something. I think, I think Twitter would just absolutely break if the Packers took an edge <laughs> in the first couple of rounds of this draft. Uh, there's several situations that I think could cause that, but I think an edge rusher is definitely one of them. But with the athleticism and an RAS like OAs, you can't completely rule it out. It just seems like a match, kind of like uh, Maggie said. But Aziz Ojalari is our last prospect that we wanted to mention today at the top of the show before we get into some some other things today. Uh, but Andrew, tell us a little bit about Aziz. Yeah, Aziz Ojolari is another fantastic name um, and another explosive edge rusher. He He's not super long. He doesn't have the most dynamic pass rush moves. And again, we're talking about a guy who in college is winning almost exclusively with speed and bend. He, he plays the run really well using his quickness. He's got really good strength for a guy who is listed at 240. Um, and he plays with tremendous effort. I'm just not sure he has a true position. So he might end up being a hybrid player. And I want to be careful that I'm not using that sort of tweener language like uh, some guys get stuck with. But I truly believe he can play off-ball linebacker. And if you want him as a blitzer or you know a part-time edge rusher on third down, he can do that. So I think he's going to get some similar draft treatment to the way Zach Bond did last year. Yeah, I really liked your Zach Bond comp uh, just as far as not having like that true position because I think that kind of shows up when you watch a lot of his film. And, you know, you mentioned it already. He's got great speed. He really kind of tends to win with his effort and his pursuit. And I like him, you know, as more of a run defender. But as, you know, Kyle kind of mentioned a little bit ago, I'm having a really hard time getting myself psyched up talking about edge rushers when it just feels like it's a position the Packers won't take very highly this year. But, you know, I'm always wrong. What do I know? Maybe they will pick an edge rusher at 29 and Packers Twitter will just completely implode. But maybe this is a good segue into our uh, our next topic, uh, which is a little more potentially thinking what we think the Packers will do. Yeah, I mean, I, I know the three of us having to talk about the Jordan Love pick. 
um, was pretty uncomfortable, not because we didn't understand the rationale, but because we had tried to convince ourselves that the Packers wouldn't take a quarterback so we wouldn't have to talk about it night yep. of. Uh, <laughs> not, right. not, the, not the greatest show that we've ever had, but, uh, you know, it was, it was good. Uh, but anyways, I, I wanted to do something fun, and this is actually, I, I don't know if it was the very first show that three of us did together last year, but it was one of the first shows. We, we did a mock draft amongst ourselves, but it, I, I called it the choose-your-own-adventure mock draft. So I don't know if you, you guys were like me and kind of dorky kids, and you would read those choose-your-own-adventure books where you'd get to the end of the page, and then you'd have to make a decision, and you know one, one would lead you to page 78, and one would lead you to page 115. And if you were like me, you would cheat and read the one that you wanted to pick and see if it was good or not, and then choose the other one. But um, we're going to do that with a mock draft tonight. So I ran a simulation of a mock and gave us some different options to pick. And so we got to the the end of the first round in this one, and the Packers could have traded up with the Cleveland Browns to pick 26, which is going to cost them their fourth rounder, uh, pick 142. So you're moving up from 29 to 26. And the three players that were available for that trade up were Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech, Edge Quiddy Pay, who we just talked about, and Edge Aziz Ojolari. I didn't even know we were going to talk about these guys when when I did this, so that that's great. <laughs> Um, or you could stay at pick 29, and then there's a bunch of great players available. There's Edge, Jalen Phillips, Jason Away. We just talked about both of those guys. Cornerback Eric Stokes, defense lineman Christian Barmore, wide receiver Terrence Marshall Jr., linebacker Nick Bolton, or Zayvon Collins, wide receiver Kadarius Toney. Another Edge, Gregory Rousseau, tackle Dylan Radunes, uh, defense lineman Levi Anwarzike, uh, wide receiver Elijah Moore, or inside offensive lineman, inside interior offensive lineman Creed Humphrey. <laughs> So I'm going to let Maggie get started. Yeah, so I'm going with the cornerback out of Georgia, Eric Stokes. And I I honestly didn't know how polarizing Stokes was until I took to Twitter earlier in the week. And he's not necessarily my ideal corner in this spot, but he's the only option that you gave us, Andrew. So I'm going to take him <laughs> because to me, corner is absolutely a top need for the Packers. And Stokes at 6'1 is just, you know, a freaky athlete. And to me, that makes some sense not to you know, be married to a RAS score, but he has a 9.36, which kind of fits the mold of that Goody pick. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that the Packers wasted, quote unquote, a first round pick on a freak athlete that needed a little bit of time to develop at the NFL level. Um, that probably wasn't a funny joke, but I think that Stokes <laughs> could be the guy uh, maybe in a year or even push King for some playing time as cornerback two on the boundary if he continues to develop his technique. So to me, Pairing him, maybe somebody that's kind of a raw prospect with a super fantastic secondary coach like Jerry Gray would go a long way in his development. And at Georgia, he had 22 passes defensed in his career, had his best season as a junior with four picks, two of which he returned for touchdowns. And, you know, he's just a little bit raw as far as technique is concerned. Uh, but I think there's a lot to like there. All right. So if I'm up here, I am going to, with the players that are available, I'm going to pick wide receiver Elijah Moore. And 
this is me putting my money where my mouth is. Last week I said that I believe Elijah Moore is worth the 29th overall selection in this draft. I also admitted that with all the needs that the Packers have, it's really hard to justify spending that pick on a wide receiver in some ways. Uh, but with the way that the board fell, I wasn't sprinting to the podium for any of the corners. I'm with Maggie. I wouldn't hate um, the pick that she made with uh, uh, with Stokes there coming from Georgia. However, uh, he's not he's not my guy. So I got a little crazy, and I just picked more here. Um, in a perfect world, I think the Packers could get a little greedy here and trade out of the first and try to uh, take more in the early 30s, snag an not extra an pick. Not an option. Quit making up rules. I know. I know. You set rules. I hate your rules. Um, but I, I think they could pick up an extra a pick here in the third or fourth round, maybe get out of that first round. But Sticking with Andrew's rules, uh, I'm fine with Moore right here. I think he gives you the best combination of an electric slot player who can do the horizontal stuff uh, that you want, also get involved in the quick game, but also give you that legit deep threat who's also not afraid to go over the middle. So I think he's a great combination of a lot of things. Um, five, nine and a half, so give him some respect uh, as, as one of the smaller guys, but he's one of the bigger small guys in this draft. Um, I love the edge that he plays with, too. And everything he does is just so smooth. Um, I know I'm rich on him. I don't know a lot of people have him as high as I do. Um, but a couple of years from now, I really think we may be looking back and talking about Elijah as one of the best receivers in this class. And as long as he ends up in an offense who knows how to use him, I think we'll be talking about him in those ways. And I think the Packers give him a great uh, place to do that and to find success. I saw a Bears account today on Twitter that had posted a mock draft with Elijah Moore going in the early 20s. And I'm like, oh, oh man, oh, the comments wow. are going to be hilarious <laughs> from all these Bears fans. And they were actually like pretty supportive. So I don't know. I think the I think the the Twitterverse is coming around on your guy. Right. There you so, go. So uh, Kyle Brand stamp Elijah Moore. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to I'm going to take this trade up offer that that I gave and and give up a fourth round pick to slide up to 26 and I'm going to take cornerback Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. I still have him as CB1 despite the injury concerns. So I think if he slides to 26, I I just run to Cleveland to make that trade. If I only have to give up a four to get a long, incredibly athletic corner prospect to play opposite of Jair, I am doing that every single day of the week. Uh, you're talking about a guy in Farley that was a quarterback in high school and then a wide receiver when he started at Virginia Tech. And he is absolutely a size-speed freak. His numbers would have popped if he had a pro day. And the Hokies left him on an island all the time. They just let him be the you know quote-unquote alpha, uh, just go up and win your matchup, and the rest of the defense will play everybody else. But you, you can see the wide receiver ball skills. He's going to go get it when it's thrown at him. He's great in man. He plays off a lot, but I'm guessing he has the tools to develop and press because he's longer. Um, so if he wants to do that, he, he absolutely can. He needs some seasoning in zone, sure, that's fair, and he's not the surest tackler I've ever seen, but given his newness at the position, it is incredible just how far along he is. He should be projected to be a lockdown quarterback one within two years in the NFL, and if you put him opposite Jair, you have a chance to have one of the most special cornerback duos in the entire league. So then uh, we're moving on to the second round. And uh, this is pick 62. I didn't give any trade up or down options for the rest of the draft. So take that, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> so, some player options that you have. Linebackers, Baron Browning, Jameen Davis, Jabril Cox. You have offense tackle Brady Christensen. Tight end Brevin Jordan. Offense tackle James Hudson. Safety Richie Grant. Defense alignment Tommy 
Togi, uh, tight end Tommy Tremble. That's a lot of T's in a row. Holy man. Uh, wide receivers, Nico Collins, Dwayne Eskridge, Diami Brown, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Uh, interior offensive lineman, Trey Smith, and cornerback, Ifitu Melifanwu. Maggie, you get to go first again. <laughs> yeah, so if you listen to our episodes last year, I was team Ross Blacklock or bust forever and ever, and that clearly didn't work out for me. But uh, So I'm internally screaming a little bit about not drafting a defensive lineman yet, but to me, uh, Brady Christensen, offensive tackle, makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I'm taking some tackle depth here. Uh, to me, He's another one of those freaky athletes. And again, going back to that RAS score, 9.85, got really good size to play the position. Uh, Pro Football Focus had him as the tackle with the lowest quarterback pressure percent allowed since 2014 with only 0.8% in 2020, which is just exceptional. He was a 2020 consensus All-American. And honestly, he kind of reminds me of Billy Turner um, just from a versatility standpoint. And then I think he could play swing tackle at the NFL level and could potentially play along the interior as well um, if he doesn't win that starting right tackle job right away. And I think, you know, having a guy like Billy Turner gives you a lot of developmental ability with a guy like Brady Christensen. So he doesn't have to come in and play right away, but I think he's got some versatility to kind of go a long way with this Packers offensive line. That's a really fun pick. And Andrew knows that I like to watch uh, interviews, like post-game interviews and those kinds of things of players. And Brady Christensen is a really fun interview, just a super down-to-earth guy, uh, kind of like a TJ Lang kind of a personality (laughs) almost. So I think he could be a great fit for the Packers as well. So like that. Um, I passed on taking a cornerback in the first round. So obviously I can't just keep ignoring that. It's a big need. Luckily, Afitu Melifanwu is still on the board in this situation for me. And so I'm sprinting to the podium to take him at 62. I kind of view him in the same way I view Elijah Moore. Uh, 29 is probably a little bit rich, uh, but I think he's worth maybe that back of the first round pick for for Melifonwu. So to get him at 62 is incredible to me. Uh, He's long, super athletic, 6'2", 205, uh, 9.5 RAS. So we've got the Goody box check there. Um, And he's not just a height, weight, speed guy. He's already got some really good corner instincts and ability to match up with just about anybody with his size and has a natural feel and zone. So uh, he also won't turn 22 until after the draft. So a really young player as well with a lot of upside and a Pretty solid floor, I think, too. So I'm excited to get Melifonwu, the corner from Syracuse, in the second round. Yeah, and I really love Melifonwu, but I already took a corner, and I want to love Brady Christensen because everybody else uh, that that I, I trust their opinions keeps saying that he's really good. So maybe I need to go back and watch another couple games of his. But um, I'm going to stick with the offensive line. The Packers have done all right in drafting a guard in the second round in the past. So um, I'm going to I'm going to stick there and, and take uh, guard Trey Smith from Tennessee. He's someone that I've barely talked about in this process at all, but he is a classic mauler. He's super strong. And sometimes when you're watching his tape, you almost wince for the defenders facing his punch. My, my questions all surrounded his movement skills. So if your scheme requires moving forward and forcing open holes and asking him to pass block in limited space with buffers on either side of him, he could be a great fit. But I don't think you really want to ask him to pull. He also has some medical issues. He In 2018, he had to sit to take some time off with blood clots in his lungs. So then, you know, I'm looking at Raz scores and all of a sudden there's this guy who has a 9.9 Raz named Trey Smith. And I'm like, this can't be the same player that I saw, but sure (laughs) enough it is. He's only 21, 
right? We know the Packers love that. He measured at 6'5", 321, and then he runs a 5.1140 with a 1.75 second 10-yard split. So that is fantastic moving forward for for a guy his size. His shuttle number was kind of bad, but he he put up a 7.433 cone. So that's incredibly athletic for a guy. I was not sure about his movement skills, and that. To me, you know, the age, the athletic skill set, the fact that he just runs through people's face mask, that's a goody prospect to me. I think he's a plug-and-play guard who could fit in opposite Elton Jenkins for the next 10 years. So then we move on to the third round. We got uh, wide receiver Tylen Wallace, offense tackle Spencer Brown, uh, Quinn Miners, the local guy uh, at interior offensive line, edge Quincy Roche, cornerback Keith Taylor Jr., cornerback Elijah Griffin, I think that's how you say his name, uh, cornerback Benjamin St. Juiced, tight end Hunter Long, defensive lineman Marlon Tui. Puloto, I think. Uh, interior offensive lineman Ben Cleveland, defensive lineman Jay Tefele, uh, linebacker Cameron McGrone, defensive lineman Tyler Shelvin, and cornerback Trill Williams. That's a, I don't know why I'm listing all these names. We should probably just say who we pick. <laughs> Megan, you go first. All right. Well, Kyle's taking one of my favorite guys with his next pick, yes. so I'm gonna I'm gonna finally get my big guy. Uh, give me possibly the biggest, largest guy in the draft class, defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin. Uh, at his pro day on Wednesday, he tipped the scales at about 350 pounds. Uh, he didn't play in the 2020 season, opted out, but there's still a lot to like in his tape. He's an absolute anchor along your defensive line, plays primarily run contain, stuffing that A-gap, and he's just a space eater, routinely takes on double teams, and, you know, there's a lot of other defensive linemen to really like in this class, kind of in the later rounds, but to me, the Packers really need a traditional run defender. I know they brought back Tyler Lancaster, it's just not the same, uh, who would free up Kenny Clark to do what he does best and get after the quarterback. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch, or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, so I have seen just a little bit of Tyler Shelvin. He's on my list to go back and get to know a little bit better. I was listening to the Draft Dudes the other day, uh, friends of the podcast. Uh, Joe Marino was talking about uh, Shelvin and really kind of saying, Stuffing the run is not a highly valued enough trait to get you drafted uh, really, really early. But he said if you're looking for someone who's incredibly good at it, Shelvin is kind of elite at that one thing. And obviously that's something that the Packers have gone out of their way to get creative and trying to find um, over the last couple of years. So he'd be an exciting ad. I'm excited to go back and get to know Tyler Shelvin a little bit better. 
but my pick here is cornerback Trill Williams. And so I already took a corner in the second in the second round, but I'm going to go ahead and do it again here. Um, I'm not only taking another corner, I'm taking the other Syracuse corner. Um, so Williams is really interesting to me because he's he's a really tall prospect. He's 6'2", but he spends a lot of his time in the slot. Uh, lots of evaluators see his fit as a maybe a better fit on the outside on the perimeter in the NFL um, or as someone who's kind of that hybrid safety nickel player. And uh, that's kind of what I have in mind for him here. Um, I kind of like him as my third safety who can cover tight ends and play that slot a little bit. Uh, a little bit of a projection, but I don't really care where he plays. I'm confident in Trill Williams as a player. I want him on my team. And we'll figure it out later. So I mentioned that Melifanu was young, but Trill Williams is even younger. He just turned 21. So lots of room for development. And I would feel really good about the young talent in my secondary if I left the draft with both of these Syracuse corners. Yeah, so I'm honestly, those two picks, Tyler Shelvin and Trill Williams, would have been my pick A and pick B uh, okay. in, in this spot. So uh, good job to both of you. I'm going to go with, uh, <laughs> just to be different, offensive tackle Spencer Brown. I have spent exactly zero minutes talking about Brown so far, uh, but I would describe him as a mountain of a man. He was listed by Northern Iowa um, at 6'8", with length that matches his his uh, height. He slides pretty well for a big guy. He can get muddy feet on counter moves back to the inside, so something that he has to work on is just oversetting. It looks to me like it's a balance issue, which is somewhat understandable given a guy of his size, uh, but he doesn't always use his hands really well or get re-anchored. It'll be interesting when he goes against guys who are close to his strength level right like taking that step up in competition um it that that will be the challenge for him but he's super tough nose he likes to take it to the defenders given his fantastic strength that play style allows him to be absolutely dominant in the run game and then he goes out and puts up a 10 relative athletic score kyle Kyle, is that is that good? A 10? Ten? Ten, ten, 10 is pretty good. 10 is okay, yeah, on a 10-point right. scale. Getting a perfect 10, uh, pretty much unheard of. And here's some numbers for you. He's 6'8", 311, right? That's pretty much what I expected. 31.5-inch vertical, 29 bench reps, 4.944 yard dash. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that. 4.94 at 6.8311. Now, I get it. He He's a big dude, so he's going to get those strides in later in the 40. But he had a 1.69 second split. So he was out of the gate quick. Yes. And, you know, a 4.4 second shuttle, 6.963 coin. I'm just saying numbers at this point. If you're listening, like, you, you don't care. Let me just tell you everything about him, elite level athlete. So, um, you know, I think he could be the right tackle of the future. And for me to get him in the third round is an absolute steal. What I love is dominant run blocker has the athletic skill set to develop into a really good pass protector. So maybe a little bit of that Balaga trajectory there um, in an even bigger body. The three cone is insane. I'm yeah. like I have like double checking this because I, it's like blowing my mind. The Packers threshold for a for a three cone traditionally with like Ted Thompson was seven point seven. He's like he's seven tenths <laughs> under their threshold. <laughs> like this is better than like some corners that are like highly touted. Like this is that's an insane number. And, and you get it right. Like he's gonna slide from one cone to the other very quickly because it's like one stride for the guy. But to get around the cone, yeah, I mean, right. that, that, that's, that's <laughs> crazy. Just crazy. Yeah. 
So uh, we're going to jump to the fourth round, 135. I'm going to take my own advice and not necessarily read off the list of, of everybody <laughs> who's available because I don't think I, – I, I do think people are going to get really annoyed with me. So, Maggie, who would you pick <laughs> at, at 135? Well, I'm going to read the names. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I took a safety People would be and... less annoyed if you read them, but – <laughs> not gonna risk it but i took uh safety caden stearns uh to me he's a really good depth piece behind adrian amos and darnell savage especially now that raven green and will redmond aren't returning to the team uh stearns did have the highest RAS score of all the free safety prospects in the draft class until i believe today he had a 9.57 uh ran a 441 40-yard dash had an impressive 42-inch vertical uh, when you watch him he's just got some really elite speed explosion and he's really aggressive to the ball uh, but sometimes that kind of over aggressive pursuit gets him into a little bit of trouble um, he can be almost too aggressive and miss some tackles but he started 28 of 29 games for the Longhorns finished his collegiate career with 173 tackles five picks and eight passes defensed so to me he's another really high upside player that could be a potential fourth round steal if he slides all the way down so the fourth round is starting to be the place where it gets really interesting because it starts to get thin quick. I feel like after that third round, as far as players that you're just like really, really excited to run to the podium for. And I think we'll see a little bit more in this draft of guys who opted out or guys that you have more questions about because of so much of the uncertainty. And that's where I went with this next pick for myself. I went with offensive tackle Walker Little from Stanford. And uh, Little is one of my favorite value picks in this draft class. A lot of people saw him as an early day two tackle, I think, before this year. And Little opted out in, two, in 2020. So his stock just kind of sat there. And I think people got bored with him a little bit. Um, but I think he has a really good chance to be a solid starter in the NFL. And it was interesting because Little ran a 5.3 40-yard dash at his pro day. And that's all I ever heard about his pro day performance because 40 yard dash is like the shiny object and that's all that people care about so i kind of wrote him off i was like oh his ras is going to be horrible um i assumed you know it was, it was just really bad so uh but he actually tested really really well in in every other category so he turned in a great shuttle great three cone and a split they all meet the packers traditional thresholds and he posted an 8.9 ras at the end of the day so uh, plenty good enough to be on the packers board especially this late in the draft. So uh, Walker's a bit of a mystery. He was injured to finish 2019, never played in 2020. Uh, but he's a prospect I'm rolling the dice on in the fourth round all day long, especially because I have completely ignored the offensive tackle position to this point, And I don't <laughs> think that I can do that any longer. So uh, Walker a little here in the fourth. So I'm going to go with uh, another 2020 opt-out, and that's cornerback Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. He has the size to play outside, but his reps there in 2019 and earlier were a bit erratic. He's best suited, in my opinion, for the slot, where his quickness can be utilized and a uh, potential lack of deep speed covered. So his man coverage was just okay, uh, but much better in, in off-man than he was in press. There are times on his tape where he's just whiffing at the line and getting beat immediately. So, you know, I want him to play off a little bit more, but, you know, playing in the slot and, and covering those two-way breaks is definitely a strength of his. He was much, much better in zone. He, he's got really good ball skills. He's a willing tackler, and, and you just hope that in that year off he was able to improve a little bit in, in the man coverage. I, I love him as a potentially great slot corner. If he played in 2020, I do think he'd be a day-two prospect. 
Again, another guy that's just 21 years old. He measured in at five foot 11, which is really good for a guy who could potentially play slot. Uh, he's got a 8.98 RAS with a 4.4140, so that that uh, alleviated my speed concerns quite a bit. Uh, but he didn't do the shuttle or three cone, so that always makes me a little bit nervous. But um, I like him as a potential slot corner. And then we're going to slide down just a few picks to uh, 142, the Packers' second fourth round pick. And Maggie, you get to go first. Yeah, so this is in the Andrew uh, Name Hall of Fame. It's wide receiver Josh <laughs> Imator Bebe from Illinois. Nice. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just because he's a really freaky athlete. But I kind of get like these really faint DK Metcalf vibes when I watch some of his tape. And it's just freaky athlete. Broke a com. Well, he would have broke a combine record if it took place uh, at Indian, not his pro day. But he had a forty-six point five vertical jump, which is just absolutely insane. 24 reps on the bench press, had an 11-foot broad jump, and he's not necessarily the most agile, polished route runner, but I think he's got some natural athleticism, and you could see him begin to develop some of those route running skills at the next level. Um, The Packers need receiver depth at some point. Uh, Right now, if Devontae Adams obviously gets his contract extension, he'll be the only wide receiver under contract in 2022. Um, So if you need to teach a young wide receiver how to run some routes at an NFL level, who better to sit behind and learn from than the best in the business? So as an early day three option, I think that he's got some good upside. So I find him really interesting, and I'm just going to call him Josh because I am not going to even attempt that last (laughs) name. Um, But I I pulled him up, and I watched him a little bit, and I was watching him with a bunch of other small wide receivers. And so when I got to him, he just moved so differently, and he was – I was like, man, he's really stiff. Like, I just – I wasn't feeling it. Um, But it was because I think I bunched him in with all those other guys, and then he puts up these crazy – Um, athletic numbers and so I need to go back because I think I didn't allow him to really be the player in the way that he wins um, just because I was watching all those other slot guys at the same time so unbelievable testing and just um, a really physical player and you have to drop him in that bucket of guys who are really frustrating to watch because their quarterback play is so erratic. Yes. And yes. and like he he is open a lot and the quarterback's just not getting in the ball. And so he could be a guy who ascends really quickly at at, at the pro level or just, you know, as Maggie was saying, has that the the physical tool set to become really great down the line. But you don't know, right? Like that that that's the frustrating part. Like I want to see him in Alabama's offense. Yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and I totally scary. missed on DK Metcalf last year, and Andrew will never let me forget how much I did not like DK Metcalf. So uh, I don't want to do it again. Not that I think <laughs> that he's for sure going to be DK, but uh, it's it, I need to make sure I don't miss that mold and that type of player. Uh, but for me here, I cheated a little bit, and Andrew's going to be mad at me because I'm already bending <laughs> the rules. Um, no, that's fine. But, I didn't want to write down everybody's name. That's <laughs> fair. You can have him. In the list that Andrew provided, he gave running back Kylan Hill, which I, I like Kylan a good bit. I wouldn't be upset about that pick. I think he's got some value and some upside. But I like Kylan or uh, Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech uh, quite a bit. And so I decided to cheat and write him in here since it was our last round. But I know fans might not be juiced about the Packers taking a running back again. 
but we need to prepare ourselves because it's going to happen. Uh, they probably won't draft a running back until day three, but they're going to use one of these 10 picks or nine or whatever it ends up being that they actually have um, after trades. They're going to spend one on a running back for some depth that's behind Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Um, and I love... Kalen Herbert from Virginia Tech. He spent most of his career at Kansas before transferring over to Tech. But Herbert's a great zone fit for a running game, and he could be a really nice second running back, I think, in the NFL. Uh, but he'd be a third guy in the Packers offense. And he's shown uh, an ability to be a great runner there, but he's not shown a ton in the receiving game. Uh, so that's really what's next for Herbert, if he wants to be a starter in the league or a contributor. Uh, but I think he's got the traits to be a good running back in the league. His RAS was a modest 6.17, so nothing that's going to keep Brian Gutekunst up at night. But uh, he had a really nice three-cone time, which has always been a big factor for Green Bay running backs that they've selected in the past. So um, I'm probably taking Herbert just a hair early here in the fourth, but I'm excited about him as a prospect. And I think he's a name worth watching for the Green Bay Packers. And I traded this pick to move up in the first, so my summary will be really quick. So I, I just wanted to, I wanted each of us to kind of go through, talk about the, uh, in my case, four, or in your case, five players that, that you drafted, where where that fits in with the Packers roster, and then, um, you know, if there are any needs that you feel like, oh, yeah, I didn't, wasn't able to address that. So, Maggie, you want to go first? Yeah, so I took a cornerback, Eric Stokes, out of Georgia, um, offensive tackle, Brady Christensen, uh, defensive lineman, Tyler Shelvin, safety, Caden Stearns, and then wide receiver, Josh Imatorbebe. And to me, I think it's it's tricky. I guess I was really tempted uh, when I took uh, the safety to maybe look at edge instead. I agree with Kyle. Absolutely, the Packers are going to take a running back at some point. I really like the name Chris Evans. Um, as somebody to keep an eye on in the later rounds. But yeah, I mean, I think I kind of wanted to double dip at corner. I don't necessarily know if I took the guys in the order that the Packers will prioritize them. Kind of feel like tackle could be the first pick off the board. But to me, I think between corner offensive tackle and hopefully defensive lineman, even though that wasn't a priority last year, those will be kind of the three positions to keep the biggest eye on the first couple nights of the draft. I like what Maggie did um, in getting Tyler Shelvin and getting that defensive lineman. I'll go through my list here, but I did feel like that the defensive line not taking one was something that the Packers haven't addressed through free agency. They've retained a lot of their own guys, but that's one place that you could say they didn't get any better if they don't do it through the draft, and I didn't. So that's one pick that I like that she made that I didn't. But my list here is Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, uh, Afitu Melifanu in the second, the cornerback from Syracuse, cornerback Trill Williams also from Syracuse, and offensive tackle Walker Little from Stanford. Finally, with Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech, the running back. So, uh, yeah, the defensive line is something I, I missed out on. I'm not sure exactly if Trill Williams ends up an outside player. I think I had a redundant draft there uh, because I have both of the guys that I'd like to say play on the perimeter. Not that you can't play Jair in the slot in some situations, um, but that may be a little bit redundant depending on where you play Trill. Um, and I don't know. Walker Little could be awesome, but waiting until the fourth round to address that position seems a little bit careless um, with where we know the Packers need to invest their resources. So I love the players. And again, like you're going to have to pick and choose. You can't you can't uh, spend, you know, four first round picks. It doesn't work like that. But I love the picks. I'm not sure, like Maggie said, that this is the order the Packers would prioritize it in. 
Yeah, and then I went with cornerback uh, Caleb Farley trading up for him. And then in the fourth round, I jumped in and got cornerback Ambry Thomas. And so I feel like with that, you combine that you know, this year with Kevin King and Jair Alexander. And then moving forward, Jair with Farley on the opposite side, Ambry Thomas in the slot. And I, I think you can really prosper with that cornerback group. Uh, I got guard Trey Smith in the second and tackle Spencer Brown in the third and I think those two guys can be the right side of your offensive line moving forward and and those are two just massive mean tough dudes Matt LaFleur is going to love that you're going to love watching A.J. Dillon running behind those two uh, with mixing Aaron Jones in that that's going to be fun and, and really get a lot of movement on that side of the line the things I didn't do are pretty obvious I think Kyle talked about it like I didn't get a defensive lineman that's a problem uh, I didn't get a wide receiver I don't think I don't view that as as much of a problem because I actually think the Packers taking a wide receiver high in this draft, although the value makes a ton of sense. I think the issue is you're going to be pushing a good player off your roster by adding in another good player. The contract situation is concerning. You know, Maggie brought that up earlier, but um, I, I think, you know, if, if, if you're looking at guys that can step in and fill holes immediately, I want to concentrate on that offensive line in the cornerback position. But um, just to hold ourselves accountable, I didn't necessarily tell you <laughs> to that I was going to be doing this, but I went back to last year. It was almost okay. exactly a year ago that, that we did this. And uh, I just took a look at the players that we drafted in, in this simulation through last draft season to uh, see see how we looked going forward. So, Kyle, uh, you ended up picking center Cesar Ruiz in the first, wide receiver Brandon Ayuk in the second, running back Antonio Gibson in the third, and tackle Jack Driscoll in the fourth. Those are phenomenal picks, my friend. Thank you, sir. I feel yeah, good none about of those that. players were available when the Packers picked, but still, like you know, that looks good. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, we would have the center of the future right now. I mean, if we yeah. had Caesar Ruiz, so I'd be excited yeah. about that. That'd be that'd be That's okay. True. Yeah, the, the Packers, I think, could have taken Ruiz in the trade up, right? Probably, yes. yeah. But he went, yes. he went between. Between them, Ayuk went a little bit before <laughs> meeting the first round. And, uh, yeah, Gibson. Gibson was a third rounder. Was he a I think third? He, was, he went before yeah. the Packers picked in the third, though. I don't. But, but still, yeah, no, really hitting a home run there. Uh, Maggie went with uh, draft crush, defense lineman Ross Blackwell. Wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr., that's a really good one. Uh, linebacker Akeem Davis Gaither, who who had a pretty solid rookie season, but he was in Cincinnati, so nobody even noticed him. Uh, and then tackle Hakeem Adeniji. Um, so that's also a very good good looking draft, Maggie. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky. I know Kenny Clark and B.J. Raji are kind of the anomalies, but it's it's tough to see the Packers kind of prioritize defensive linemen, which is why you know it, they always feel like it'll be a late day two, early day three pick if they do it in this year's draft. Dean Lowry is still on the roster <laughs> against all odds. He's he's so on into that roster spot. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, not what we're talking about today. Mine was far less impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I took a tackle Lucas Niang in the first who might have had a good rookie year, but he opted out. So we, we just don't know. Don't want to hold that against him. But it uh, uh, doesn't look great for me. Uh, wide receiver KJ Hamler in the second who did OK with the Broncos. Um, linebacker Troy Dye who ended up on the Vikings and uh, defense lineman McTelvin and GM. So so not a very good outlook from uh, myself. It's OK, man. 
Yeah. Well, but we'll have fun, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe next year, if, if we're graced with Maggie's presence again, we can look back on this year's draft class and say, Hey, we really hit a home run there. Or like, maybe we actually got one pick, right? Between that the would be us. really fun. Yeah, be yeah. fun. <laughs> what if one of our drafts is perfect? Like it matches up exactly. I think we should get a promotion. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. All right. Um, well, one thing we like to do at the end of the show is we like to humor Andrew and let him talk about himself. So, um, Andrew, why don't you talk about something you're working on over at Game on Wisconsin? Well, Kyle, for the third straight <laughs> week, I have a question for you. I'm nervous. What does Lil John say to affirm a young male? I, I don't know, but I'm assuming yeah, Lil John. Yeah, boy. It's it's Kenny Yaboa, Yaboa. Yaboa. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That that was that is, was a is, tough one. Okay. Hold on. Tough one. Is Little John a rapper? Oh man. All right. Listen, oh no. Here's the deal. Here's no. the deal. I know that, but you would have had a better chance of connecting if it was Little John from Robin Hood, because that would be way more likely for me to know that. So, I, I don't listen to a lot of Little John. I'm gonna have to edit all of this out. <laughs> Please don't. Please keep it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't edit. You guys can um, at me on Twitter and tell me, record. Um, tell me your favorite little John yeah, Anyways, song. my draft profile for Game on Wisconsin is tight end Kenny Yaboa from uh, Ole Miss. All horrible jokes aside, uh, that's <laughs> I just wanted to say, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I, I believe we'll be really close to the end of, of RAS scores by this weekend. So I'm going to spend uh, this weekend updating my, my draft list. and I'm going to have my top 250 out next week at some point and and my my real goal like people like to look at that i think i i don't know i mean some people do and if not that's cool too what i really like is um last year i started doing a a horizontal draft board where like i i labeled people by like first round grades second round grades kind of fitting them into where i think they belong so rather than just having a running list i think that helps to show you like when you're actually up on the clock if you have guys labeled sort of in the same ribbon like making the choices amongst those picks is a lot easier than if you're just crossing people off of a vertical list so i'm i'm really excited about that um maggie anything anything you're you have going on that you'd like to promote yeah so just like last year i'm part of the cheesehead tv draft guide Uh, a ton of fantastic people contributed to that and then i also contributed to that so it's worth the price every year uh definitely check it out it should be coming out next week um, please also check out the Packs What She Said podcast if you don't already. Um, and join us for our first ever Packs What She Said live show on Ooh. Tuesday, April 6th. Um, you can find it through all of the Cheesehead TV socials. It's super casual. Perry and I will just be live on the internet taking all of your Packers questions. So it should be fun. That sounds really awesome. And I, I love to listen to the Packs What She Said podcast. And then I play a game like how how fast can I Press skip 30 seconds ahead when Perry's talking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really trying to make this rivalry happen. You don't want Perry as your enemy. She's from New York. And I would like to continue moving forward, which, by the way, Maggie was a guest on the the draft show with with Dan. um, And I noticed you completely ignored my 30 second draft segment. So Um, I don't know if you saw the results of the draft, but I'm crushing it. Landslide victory for me quite upset that Dan asked me to produce 30 seconds of content every week and has never asked me to be on the show. <laughs> they're like they're the best. I really enjoy the 30 seconds because you talk so fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just gotta get it all in there. 
Yeah, I've I've kind of given up on it. I, I was trying to fit a lot of content in early on, and I realized nobody's listening to me, so I just sort of uh, phone it in now, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> Anyways, Kyle, we're anything you'd like to talk We're still recording, just in case you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, any, any, any work you're doing that you'd like to publicize? No, I'm not doing any work. I just hang out on Twitter and, and take credit for all your work, basically. That's basically what no, I do. Yeah, no, in, in all honesty, like, I mean, I know you're not putting together anything formal, but Kyle does a really awesome job of looking at a prospect holistically. And so I, I really, really enjoy, um, you know, looking at your stuff. And, and there's a lot of guys you and I have, have gone back and forth with um, and has helped to shape a little bit and, and helped me to go back and look. And I'm looking forward to having those same conversations with Maggie as we get closer to the uh, NFL draft at the end of the month. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packety Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. I think I got that right. Yeah. And you <laughs> forgot to write it down. And you can find me at Andrew Murta. You can remember to also follow at Packet A Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what you're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week with more off-season coverage. And we are going – oh, I, we already have our, <laughs> our super special <laughs> joining us. I really should have updated this part. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember – Go, hey, go!